Welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fulian Rosborn and this is Inside Exec. Today we are having a visit from a previous guest. It's probably about two years since we spoke to Jamie Wadley and at that time we talked to him about time management and keeping yourself motivated and marketing in all sorts of ways. So we're going to revisit some of those topics and also hear what are the things that power him up these days. Jamie, welcome back. I'm very happy to be back for you. It's good. I know you've been up to lots of things since we spoke last, and I do know that you have met certain commitments that you made yourself, you helped so many clients, and you started new ventures. So I'm just going to open it up to you to tell us the highlights of what you've been doing. The highlights. A lot of the stuff that comes to mind when you when you ask me things like that are things that are on uh, probably a personal nature. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've taken on reasonably recently is uh, to sit on a board, and, uh, and this is something which is very new to me. I'm finding uh, in the initial phases I don't play well with others, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's taking a little bit of getting used to being able to deal with people on a mm-hmm. committee-like level where decisions have to be made and mm-hmm. agreements have to be uh, reached. That's been one challenge that I've taken on. The thing that's given me the most reward as of late has been I've started to journal, and I religiously go to the journal either at the end of the day or the beginning of the next day to, uh, to write mm-hmm. about how my day has gone. I'm amazed that I can continually write things down, and every time I write something down, it even happened this morning, that I come up with insights about me mm-hmm. personally that I right. that I discover that I think would have been lost without uh, without writing it down. So the fact of uh, taking it out of my head, writing on a piece of paper, and almost reading what I've written down lets me bring focus to what I've done, and I actually asterisk things I write towards the end of the journal that are the lessons that I need to take from it. They're the things that are outstanding in my mind at the moment. There's, there's a lot of other stuff that's gone on, but, uh, mm-hmm. but they're two of the, the highlights, I guess. Excellent. If I go back to the board a bit, do you think it's very different when you've always been used to being the captain of your own ship and being in charge and making the decisions? And is that why you made the comment about playing with others? Here you're not actually in charge and control of everything. It's a committee sort of arrangements with various views. You're making the decisions, but you're not actioning. Is that a difference to you? I think that hits it on the head. (laughs) There's probably a day a month before I go to a meeting where I start to rant and rave and carry on about, this has to be done, that has to be done. Why haven't they made this decision? Why has this taken so long? And it does, it frustrates me a whole lot, Mm -hmm. making decisions on basis where I was the only one who had to do anything, where I was, as you say, I was captain of Mm -hmm. my own soul in that respect. It's a big, big change to have Mm -hmm. to work with even a small group of people and try to reach consensus. I'm used to having a look at how things are, saying, right, these are the facts of the matter, this is how I see it working, this is what I think needs to be done. And from that point, pull the trigger, make Mm -hmm. it work. But I go through the same sort of process and I try to get people on board with my thinking. But obviously people think different ways and they mm-hmm. have different ways of viewing how things should be done. Yes. And I'm not happy with that. They should just do what I say. <laughs> but they don't. <laughs> so so it, it's challenging and, yeah. and it's a growth experience as well. I really feel as though it's doing me so, so much good. But it'll take time. The tenure of the position is about five years. Mm-hmm. So I think after five years, I'll have a much yeah. more a clear understanding for what I should and shouldn't do. But, but it's good. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a real eye-opener. Actually, you said it's good for you. But let me tell you, it is excellent for the organisation. 
having been a recipient of boards in organizations where the boards sort of gave us direction, advice, and a kick, and a pat, and all of that, it does actually make a difference. And having someone with your passion and that determination and coming in with fresh eyes, never underestimate that. As an executive in a place where you're receiving this feedback, your initial reaction says, we know what we're doing, who do you think you are? But then, at the end of the day, we really appreciate it because it's a different view. It's a view not incumbent by all the day-to-day um, that. It's the helicopter view, and it's very, very good. I've also been on boards with I felt the same way and never lose that passion because if you start getting too sympathetic with the organisation, then you're just saying, oh, I understand where they're coming from, it's okay, it's okay. No, nobody moves. So I like your approach. I've come to the realisation with help mm. that, uh, that there are mm. things I can bring mm. uh, to the group that weren't there before. Yeah. And I think having been a one-man band in that respect's in that respect gives me a different view on how things can be done and maybe a different Mm -hmm. way of making things happen. One of the things I'm working with with the board at the moment is our communication and I find the communications we've had in the past have been terribly inefficient so I'm Mm -hmm. trying to work on ways to to simplify and and make that uh, easier for everyone. It is yin and yang. As I said, I I am getting a lot out of it even though I'm probably dragged a little kicking and screaming towards it. (laughs) I I, I know it's a growth thing for me. But in the same token, I think I can uh, help them go in directions that they might not have been able to go in the past without uh, yes. different, uh, different input. Um, uh, for a change, Kim is trying to butt in normally. <laughs> I got okay, my, so go on, hand Kim, in the air, yeah. I've got my <laughs> hand up because I don't think I'll ever get an opportunity to ask a question. They're, just take, they're not on the other way. So what I want to ask you both in terms of the management of this situation. So we have a board, we have a workforce and a, a paid workforce that are rostered type mm-hmm. of work, so not permanent full-time employees, but, but permanent part-time employees, rostered. Seven days a week, activities, and then we have volunteer groups, plural, mm-hmm. that also interact with, with the, the workforce, not so much the board. So how, as a board, can you manage the not-crisis management approach that often happens in those situations? Well, I must admit that I felt the crisis management um, approach happen ever since I got involved. But this is probably something I'm still trying to work out the answer for. I mentioned to Fiona just then about the communication. Yes. I think the communication is a vital part of it. Another part of that is giving people a chance to say what they think and listening to them without prejudice, if I can you know, use that well-used phrase, and, and trying to, to see if we can get a synergy going where there is results rather than just angst between different opinions on the board. Crisis management, once again, I think systems are the answer and there's not many systems in place where I am at the moment. They're, that's changing. I hope they never hear this podcast, but anyway. <laughs> I hope but, they do, because I think it's very helpful. <laughs> I think yeah, yeah we're, we're moving towards systems more, and those systems will help take a lot of the bumps out of the road. There will be things that will come up that we just can't yeah. plan for, but if we have process that can that help simplify the method we use to come to a solution and the, and the tasks or the process we use to, to come up with those solutions, maybe it'll get simpler.
simpler in time. And as board members, we're getting used to one another a little bit more now. There's yeah. less Styles. worrying about breaking eggs and things you know, by yeah. treating on eggshells. Mm-hmm. It's a really difficult question, and I don't think there's one simple answer for it. Fuyo mm-hmm. might have a different opinion. I hope she has, because I'll be taking notes. Well, I want to go back to the, the first comment that you made in response to Kim's question, and that's the communication. You say the word communication, but it has so many facets. The first step is that a lot of boards are buried with paperwork. So each meeting you have to read about three volumes of a book to to get ready. And I think that's an old habit rather than a value add. And when you talk to me about communication in the past, it's, it's making that very efficient, that process. What are the agenda items and how much information do you really need to read about it? What's the essence of it? So putting in a structure of what is it and then talk to it so it is a discussion rather than here, read this, and that's how it's always been done. And if you don't do it, that's the danger. But there's more opinions. The people around the table in a board have been there for a reason. Usually they add much more value than they think they can add because they varied. And therefore, if you manage that communication, so that's one aspect, is the preparation, the structure, then what you do with it afterwards, the communication after documentation, how that should be, what's the essence of it, who's doing what by when, and how, or any action that's agreed. And I think if you look at, and I'm not sure about your board itself, but in general, some boards, particularly in not-for-profit space, they because people just come and do their best, they don't end up using the best of everything. And the communication, if you break it up, documentation, structure, and systems. And there's so much they can use. I think you're onto it. Yeah, the thing you said there that resonates with me the most is that who does what by when. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah, that certainly that's a part of the communication style. But I, I think for early stages we were worried about upsetting one another. Yes. And now we've grown a little bit. It needs to have some sort of formal process where we say, okay, you've got this task to finish by this amount of time. And it's not yeah. it's not holding a gun to someone's head. No. It's when do you think it can happen. Yeah. And, and just making people a little bit more accountable for what needs mm-hmm. to go on. And, and that's the only way things will get done. Mm. Yeah, otherwise we're just like chooks in a chook yard, not getting a whole lot done, yes. and just cackling to one another and yeah. go over just the same thing again next time. Meeting. Yeah, and, and that's no, yeah. you know, that's, the, that's a frustrating yeah. thing for everyone. That also gives them an opportunity to know what their role is. And so you, you start to get a role definition, not only within the board, but also the staff that you've got. So you're getting some definition for the tasks and the interaction that they would have with the board or where they have that interaction or who the, the interacting point is. And that then flows down to the volunteer groups yes. so that, that they've also got that single point of contact or that they know what the process is mm-hmm. for the things that... They're the input that they have because often they're a, a valuable resource that you can't really find a way to tap into because... Mm-hmm of the structure of, of communication and of process that's happened before that you've taken on. Sorry, I was going to say, wouldn't that also, what you just said, both of you, help the priorities, make it clear to all the players or stakeholders, board, volunteers, what the priorities, because they will change. You mm. might have one for the year, but something happens. Yes. So by doing that, you will know what's 
top three priorities. Yeah, I think that's true, and I, I like the idea of you know, defining the roles more mm. definitely, and I think mm. really that's uh, because you know, our, our board is essentially the second board who have been involved with this particular uh, enterprise. There isn't a defined structure that I've been able to see by what mm -hmm. the, each role is for, and indeed I'm in a, a new role because of government regulation that hasn't existed mm -hmm. in the past. But I think as a legacy, what we should aim for is having well-defined roles so when the existing people of the board move on and new people move in, yeah. it's, it'll be much easier for saying, well, this sort of person will fit this role better, maybe you mm. should be yes. the chairman, maybe you yes. should be the treasurer, yeah. and make it simpler from that point on. Mm -hmm. And you know, simplicity will only breed you know, more efficiency. So, no, I think it's a good idea. Um, on that point, I think Kim and I have both been in a situation where that can be changed. So when you say this, the chair of the board, that can change. That can be a rotating chair. It can be subject matter chair. So we introducing new systems in the place and the best person for that to manage all of that and be the chairperson for it is Mr X and you let them run mm -hmm. with it. And the chair normal will become a team member or a board member yes. rather than a chair and I think that is making sure everybody does what they do best. Yes. Yeah. And that's probably a good plan to have when you've got a long term tenure for a board and you've got certain projects that you want to happen. At the beginning of it, where everyone's getting that initial phase, that initial 12 months, whatever it is, that you have someone who can carry through with the business of the previous board or knows a little bit about what's happening. But then that having that rotating chair means that people feel that if they have a particular project that they want to engage with, that they can have some influence, that they can focus on that, that there's going to be any, some input time. But I think what it also does is stops the opportunity for you to take on subcommittees yes. and to have all these extra yes. little trails that, mm. that lead in that really fuss around and don't have direction and don't have purpose and don't have a time that they can interact with the board or interact with the staff and you get this messy structure rather than have the board and we rotate so that the focus is always the next projects that, that's happening. So I see that as a better solution than having subcommittees, is having yeah. a rotating chair. And the same happens in a team environment when you're working in an organisation and you've got project teams. So you will have a project team, and this might be the project team for the implementation of X, which is a massive project. Mm -hmm. And rather than have sub-teams or subcommittees or anything else that bloats out that activity that you identify in that initial team, all of these people who have different skills and expertise, and you say at the beginning, we're going to, when we get to this stage of the project, you're going to be the team leader. When we yes. get to this stage, you're going to be the yeah. team leader because that's where your expertise lies. So they all feel like they can contribute up to that point and then they're going to have to take on responsibility. Better for them mm -hmm. in development terms and yeah. better for the outcome of the project, I think. Yeah, I think, it's, I think that's true. There's been a couple of instances I've had uh, with the board where we've had to make a decision on uh, on certain things, and a lot of these things have been things that I have had no experience with at all. 
but there are two gentlemen on the uh, on the board who are very much involved with these aspects of, of what the board does, and I delegate my vote essentially mm-hmm. to their decision because they're the experts in that field. Mm-hmm. And in the same token, if something comes up that is something that's more in my field of expertise, you know, whether it be a marketing or promotion thing, or you know, who knows, but that should be something that carries it. I should carry a bit more weight with. Uh, rather than just have five people on a board and five equal votes, because it, it varies, uh, you know, depending on what the decision to be made is. I think Ray Dalio does the same thing with Bridgewater, where mm-hmm. everyone has a vote, but in this particular instance, this person has much more experience, so that yeah. vote carries more weight than someone else's vote. It's not mm-hmm. a democracy as such. What no. we want to do is do the most efficient and the mm-hmm. and the, the rightest thing in each situation, and that means calling on what expertise we have, whoever it may be. The other thing that is sometimes frustrating for both the board and the organisation or their, their stakeholders is that they need to clarify something or revisit something and they have to wait for the next board meeting. Now, board meetings might be monthly by monthly, in some cases quarterly and, and half yearly. So do you think a process of knowing who to go to to ask a question or clarify, it can be the board member or the whole board communication, is there some structure around that, do you think? We meet once a month, exactly as mm-hmm. you say, but uh, we tend to have uh, email communications happening right. on an ongoing basis. Right. And this is one of my pet peeves, because mm-hmm. if, if I get an email from someone and it's about an ongoing issue, I'll yeah. often receive an email that has ten forwards underneath it, and you know, I, I tend to get lost in it. So I think right. certainly there needs to be a process. The process at the moment we're using is the board gets a, an email, right. and whoever wants to put their hand up... Mm-hmm has you know, their mm. 10 cents worth to, uh, to, yeah. to make some decision or make some comment on it. But I think it would be much more mm. efficient if we could say, well, this is a matter of X, this would probably be best handled by right. Fulgana. And, so the and, owner or that team leader you referred to yeah. or whatever, so yeah. saying any questions on this, yeah. go to yeah. John, yeah. Mary, whatever. Yeah, I, I think that would be a yeah. way to handle yeah. it. Yeah, obviously yeah. everyone else can have an input because who knows, someone might yeah. come up with something that's, that's yeah. brilliant out of their field. But, but then the owner can maybe come back to the other members. So if I was the contact for that, but I still needed specialist or advice, I'll come to you or to you or to whoever it yeah. is on the board or outside the board that I need to go to 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 pull it together rather than everybody being buried again with emails. <laughs> and it is buried. You know, yeah. It's terrible to be yeah. in that situation. And, and that's probably the next thing that, that's interesting to talk about is that we are all now increasingly relying on email as our communication mm-hmm. choice, for want of a better word, and yet there are lots of other systems out yes. there that provide a better way of communicating internally in an organisation, externally, with uh, very geographically diverse people. I know in, in the, the groups that I'm associated with, I would really like to find another way other than email because I get to a point where even if I number the emails yeah. and the initial response comes through that is for that one and then someone, not everyone, but someone will change the subject line and so then I get lost in where where does this follow, where, what is this part of. Finding a solution to that ongoing communication which sometimes can be urgent and sometimes is not, sometimes is just information and finding a way where it's as reliable or as immediate as we think email is yes. we, and often these days I'll get to a point where I think I'm not going to look at the email. I'm not going to engage in that interaction, that conversation for another 24 hours. I'll just leave it for a while. But 
then people will want to know that I've actually seen the information. So yeah. then I get SMS or I get phone calls. And and, and the, the classic is when you get an SMS that says, I've just sent you an email. Oh, yeah, Can you read it? Thanks. It bothered like, me twice for nothing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So looking at the communication side of things, the mm-hmm. solutions in that arena, you know, we've all got phones. We've mm-hmm. all got access to either laptop or, or desktop machines. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there has to be a better way for organisations to communicate. I know there's lots of internal ones that, that yeah. companies use within themselves to message one another and we at one stage where I was exposed to a thing called pink notes which was just like Mm. the sticky note but it was on the screen obviously it's been an issue for some considerable time decades probably is there a way that you can suggest for us to look at better communication (laughs) just putting you on the spot there yeah why not well I must admit I do like email but I am very literal you know to me it is like posting a letter yeah. And I think there are some things it does better than anything else. But the way it gets used now, I think it's become a very blunt instrument. It can be frustrating for all the reasons that mm-hmm. both of you have said, and I certainly feel that as well. I'm actually looking at a product at the moment, a thing called Slack, mm-hmm. and it is almost like a, uh, it's, it's, it's almost like a chat program, but it's far more mm-hmm. powerful than that. And, uh, I can't say if this will be the solution to our problems, but I think it's certainly a step in the right direction. I'm actually going to see if I can implement that across the board, so to speak, in a meeting I've coming up, I've got coming up later this month. But the email, because of what you can do with it, it doesn't get read. And as mm-hmm. such, it's wasted, it's useless. And it frustrates people who aren't seeing the information they wanted you to see. It's, it's frustrating for you because you have to wade through so much uh, information that you may have seen before or really don't find required for you to make a decision. I, I think something like Slack, where you can have it on the phone, just as you can with email, but something that's a little less top-heavy. You mentioned the SMS before. I like SMS because it's restricted by how much you can actually say, whereas email can go on like Blue Hills, and I, I do get lost, and I, I really don't like it. So stay tuned. I'll let you know how Slack as a solution turns out. Yeah. One of the... Now, I can't tell you what the program is because I'm technologically very... Challenged. Exactly, challenge. Yes, no, it's it's so true. But they have this thing where it is, it's like the old intranet accessible to a group. So what it is, they they come in and they say what they think. The problem with that is, as I see it, it has a lot of great points and much better, and some it answers some of our concerns. However, ownership is the issue. So everybody, they see it as a join the conversation, give your opinion. No accountability, no follow-up, no responsibility. So I think it's not the technology. Mm. I think it's the education and the agreed use of it. It, It's got to be clear who owns what and who is responsible for it. The fact that I put it in that bucket and said, oh, it's too hot where we're sitting and something should be done about it, Mm. that's not good enough. Yeah. Who to whom, what's your ideas, what has been done so far, and who's going to see it through and pull those thoughts together and turn it into a solution. Mm. And I think if we put those around it, it's got to be education and training for the users, really. 
At this point, we're going to take a break in our conversation with Jamie, so we thank him for his time so far, and we will continue talking to him in the next episode. But for now, I'm Kim Bailey, she's Fuliana Osborne, we are talking with Jamie Wadley, and this is Inside Exec. Inside Exec.